0: This is IAQ Radio, Indoor Air Quality Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry. With your host, Radio Joe Hughes, and the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. And now, Radio Joe Hughes.
1: Good day and welcome to IAQ Radio Plus. This week is episode 632, and we welcome an all-star cast from the uh, RIA seventy fifth. Diamond Anniversary Convention here. Christy Cohn is joining us, Mark Springer, Katie Smith, Ed Cross, and John Isaacson, of course, my co-host, the Z-Man. Before we get started, let's thank our sponsors. Our marquee sponsor is Instascope at instascope.co. Our association sponsors are the American Industrial Hygiene Association at AIHA.org. The American Conference of Governmental Industrial Hygienists at ACGIH.org. The Cleaning Industry Research Institute at CIRIScience.org. The Indoor Air Quality Association at IAQA.org. The Restoration Industry Association at RestorationIndustry.org. The Institute for Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification at iicrc.org and Healthy Buildings America 2021 at hb2021-america.org Industry sponsors are AEML Laboratories at AEMLINC.com Particles Plus at particlesplus.com Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions at graywolfsensing.com TSI Inc. at tsi.com sunbelt rentals at sunbelt rentals.com april air at april air and healthy indoors magazine at healthy indoors.com
0: and now you can win a cool prize. It's time for the IAQ Radio Trivia Question. Be the first to correctly answer. Simply email your answer to Zlotnick at cs.com. Or if listening live, just text your answer from your computer. And now, here's the Z-Man. Hello, everyone. Congratulations go out to Victor Caffaro from Chesterfield, Virginia, who was first to identify straw, sticks, and bricks as the materials the three little pigs used to build their houses. The IAQ Radio Trivia question for today, July 9, 2021, has been sponsored by TSI Inc., an industry leader in the precision instrumentation for monitoring of indoor air. Learn how to expand your IAQ investigations at tsi.com. Here's today's trivia question. Martin King was RAA's Technical Director for Restoration. Who was the Association's Technical Director for Fabrics and Textiles? Back to you, Joe. Thank you, Cliff. Okay, so we've got Christy Cohen. She serves as the CEO of the
1: Restoration Industry Association and the Executive Director of NADCA. She is with Association Headquarters and is a 20-year Association Management Executive Experience. Mark Springer is the RIA president and president of Day Spring Restoration in Missoula, Montana. Katie Smith, second generation owner of PHC Restoration in North Carolina, and the RIA president elect, and she also chaired the advocacy and government affairs committee. And Ed Cross, all our, law, our listeners know Ed Cross, the restoration lawyer, president of the law offices of Edward H. Cross and Associates in Palm Desert, California, also. Chair, I'll have to get that straight between the two of you if you're co-chairs or one's changed of the RIA Advocacy and Government Affairs Committee, and John Isaacson, the Attentional restorer, is an author and host of the D.Y.O. Joe podcast. John speaks, writes, and coaches restoration professionals to shorten their dang learning curve for personal and professional development. Welcome all to the show, and let's start with Christy Cullen. Christy, we have you.
2: We do. Thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate you all having me today. It's so great to see everyone after uh, a whirlwind of activity last uh, at the uh, annual convention. So, uh, you know, our RIA 75th International Restoration Convention and Industry Expo was just a tremendous success. We had nearly 700 attendees. Uh, We had 74 exhibiting companies. We had over 40 folks who were viewing us via live stream. Uh, So it was really just an exciting opportunity. I could tell just by seeing everyone, folks were so glad to get back together in person. They missed each other, and it was just such a wonderful opportunity to to see everyone there and the engagement from our attendees, uh, both in the in-person and the live stream. And I just want to say it's such an exciting time to be part of RAA, as our association is now laser-focused on really addressing the biggest challenges facing our restoration professionals through advocacy, education, and elevating the restoration industry. In 2021, we've exceeded the thousand member mark. Um, We're making huge strides in terms of our membership and the number of folks within each of our member companies that are engaging with RAA. Uh, We've made significant progress, which Katie and Ed will be talking about related to our advocacy work in developing our key position statements, including a statement on deviation from standardized price lists. Uh, We have some wonderful things coming up for the rest of this year that we're very excited about, including we're going to be conducting another third-party administrator scorecard report survey. In 2020, we had a 1,000 restorers who responded to the survey, giving us their input and really helping us to hone in on what are the issues and challenges between the contractor and the TPA relationship and how can we improve those? Um, We're going to be launching uh, additional AGA Academy sessions, which Ed will touch on, uh, which are going to help restorers really use the advocacy tools that we've developed uh, in their own business so that they can navigate these challenges and have those conversations related to pricing and TPCs and TPAs. I want to just make a plug. Um, Our AGA is the unified advocacy voice for the restoration industry. And so for all of the restorers out there, we really want to hear from you. We have a a form on our website where you can report uh, issues directly to our AGA. Those issues go straight to the AGA committee to Ed Cross, our restoration advocate. And so if you go to restorationindustry.org, tell us what you're seeing in your marketplace related to pricing? What are some of the challenges? Are there legislative issues that you're seeing coming down the pike locally or at the state level that may be uh, impacting restoration um, uh, companies? And that all gets funneled and it really helps to shape the direction of the association. The AGA is listening. We're taking that input in and it really helps us to focus on what are the scope of issues and challenges that we want to work on. Uh, And lastly, just want to invite everyone to please save the date And be sure to join us in 2022 for the RAA convention taking place April 11th through the 13th. We're going to be at the Peppermill Resort uh, Spa Casino in Reno, Nevada. And we're just really, really excited. You know, hopefully, uh, we will not be experiencing some of the same challenges that we had this year with the pandemic. And so it's going to be even better. Uh, But certainly, we hope to see you all there in case you were not able to be with us this year. but just really exciting times for RIA.
1: It is. And I, I think it's been, you know, as an outside kind of observer here, it's it's been really nice to see the laser focus on what people need. And, and the AGA has been a real, I think, a real blessing for the industry overall. So we'll uh, look forward to talking to you more about that in the second half. Let's go to Mark Springer, the RIA president and president of Day Spring Restoration. Mark Welcome back to the show. Always great to see you. Give mm-hmm. us your thoughts from this last week uh, of, of exciting events at the uh, at the convention. Well,
3: it was exciting. I think what was most exciting was actually seeing people in, in the flesh again. You know, there was such a, a great energy at the whole show, um, not only because it was such an important milestone for RIA with our 75th uh, anniversary, but it was so great to see so many people that... We haven't seen him for a long time. I mean, I, I, there was a number of times I bumped into these guys who, you know, as growing up were like heroes of mine. You know, Cliff on the on the show here. Uh, he was actually his company trained my dad back in the late '80s. So always great to see Cliff. Um, we had Claude Blackbird there, you know, which I haven't seen Claude for forever. And uh, Rusty Amarante, all these these you know guys that I've looked up to my whole life. There and there was a lot of buzz. And you know, one of the things that we've done uh, just over the last few years is open the show with our town hall. We used to end the show with the town hall. And the important kind of unfortunate thing that we ran into with that is all these folks, you know, are trying to get home, they're flying out, and they miss. Really connecting with some of the most important things that are happening in the association. So, we've been starting for the last few years, of course, not last year, but year before that, we start with the town hall. And really, that gives us the opportunity to inform our members about some of the most important things that are happening on their behalf. And, and this last year has been crazy for us. You know, going through this Black Swan pandemic event um, really created a lot of unusual challenges for the association. And, uh, you know, really took us in some ways right to the brink uh, because, you know, getting through a year without what really is one of our biggest drivers for our success in any annual year with our annual convention, having to cancel last year, what we had intended to hold in New Orleans was uh, a real challenge. But I think in those challenges, there are these silver linings that we uh, encountered and, Uh, Most notably, we were able to connect with our members over the past year in similarly unique ways that we had before. It forced us also to reevaluate what is our our proposition to our members to really intensify that laser focus on the advocacy and government affairs effort. And there, there just was an enormous amount of wins there that I think our members are seeing, and it's giving them hope as they see that some of these really, I call them the existential threats in the restoration ecosystem, are finally having a group uh, that is collaborating uh, to address these issues, whether it's with pricing, whether it's with TPAs, whether it was with third-party consultants. We have seen the industry come together and address these issues and then advocate on their behalf. So being able to share what's been happening with that in in the kind of launch of the event in the town hall, I think gave people a lot of, you know, uh, hope that things are headed in a direction that is sustainable, which is our whole goal here, right, is sustainability for the restoration industry. And, you know, I I know Ed and Katie are going to talk a lot about Uh, some of the specifics in that so I don't want to steal any of their thunder but one of the other things we updated folks on in the town hall were first of all just an update of what's happening with RIA and IICRC you know we've we've had some some times over the last few decades where uh, the two associations weren't exactly simpatico you know there's a little a little a bit of challenge there and you know, I was not prepared for, I invited Michael Dack the CEO of, of ICRC, to step onto the stage and give some updates. And I wasn't prepared for exactly what he said, but what he, he claimed is RIA is IICRC's best partner in the industry. And I, I've seen so many practical areas where I would say that the, the partnership has been really positive and has generated some incredible value for the industry at large. Um, But that's that's just, you know, I think a couple years ago, maybe five or five to ten years ago, having that sort of statement in front of the whole industry would have been pretty unthinkable. And so I think we're proud to see that progress that's been made there. And I think that's really important, not only for our members, but for the even the people that may not technically be RIA members. It's it's encouraging. It's encouraging to see the industry unifying and. Working together, and and those were I think some of the biggest messages there to kick off the event, the town hall.
1: It sure is, Mark. I know Cliff and Pete and I have all advocated for working together more over the last. Well, we've been doing this for 14 years now, and over the last two or three years, and a lot of uh, credit to you and to to the uh, people from IICRC, uh, Kevin Pearson, and uh, you know their their group. And it's really good to see you guys working together to pull pull the industry forward. I'm, I'm really happy about that. Katie Smith, second generation owner of PHC restoration. Katie, you're the, I, I, you have to ask you the chair of advocacy and government affairs or co-chair. How does that work?
4: I am the chair. Ed was our founding chair, but I am now the chair and Ed is our restoration contractor advocate. So okay. that, those are our two roles. So um uh, and first of all, I just want to say, I'm th- this is my first time on IAQ radio, so I'm so excited to be here. So thank you guys for, uh, for- having me. Yeah, all right. I'll see you. <laughs> back thank you. Um, but Joe, as you said, we have been laser focused ever since AGA was introduced. We knew it was our job to find out what's causing problems for uh, not just our members but the the contractors in the industry and just identify those top problems that we're all facing and then figure out what can we do about it and so we have a blueprint that we follow and that's really our process Uh, so when as Christy said if you're having an issue bring it to RIA then we take it to our AGA group we pull everyone and say is this an issue or problem that you have in your business and When the majority of the group says yes, um, we say, all right, then what can we do about it? And so the first few issues that we've decided to to really tackle, the top three, have been pricing TPAs, third-party administrators, and then third-party consultants. And so in total, the AGA work product contains 10 total position statements, which is amazing. Um, We've done a groundbreaking industry-first TPA scorecard we have um, hours of videos on the RIA website for our members, mostly on pricing, some with third-party consultants, and we have a nationwide resource document on assignment of benefits. And so for the past 18 months, we have been uh, consistently producing work products to to help um, our members and just to try to make it a little bit easier to be a restoration contractor. We need support, and that's what we've been trying to provide Um, As Christy mentioned a little bit on that, that pricing statement, that is our most recent product. And the topic that we address is the deviation from the standardized price list, which is a problem that all of us are facing when an adjuster says, I'm only going to pay exact to make prices. And those aren't always one size fits all. And so the industry industry stance on this is that insurance carriers and their partners should not prohibit deviations from standardized price lists. And so it is a peer reviewed document, not just by contractors, but also from um, representatives of the major pricing software um, companies. um, They're referenced in the the statement. It is a very solid document. It did take us a while to produce this one because we had to pull so much information together and we wanted to make sure that it was accurate. Um, But that's the one that is the most recent um, that has been introduced and we did Um, a a package of eight third-party consultant uh, position statements. The consultants are the people that come in usually on a large loss, um, either when the job is in progress, sometimes when it's complete, um, when you're waiting for payment, they start asking for a lot of documentation. And so we start by addressing what is the role of the consultant? And then we give people um, support and resources so that they know what to do when the consultants start asking for um, proof of ownership for equipment and evidence of cost to perform work. So, you know what you should and should not do and what they should and should not do. Um, we, we have um, videos on our website that kind of correspond with this with the leaders from JS Held. Ed's been very busy with Um, distributing these statements throughout the industry to the third parties that we encounter in the claims process. Our very first TPA statement was for um, when you are asked to make some modifications to your estimate, but you can't really find the, control, the guidelines and the controlling document that tell you why you can't charge for those. We've heard a lot of contractors say that, you know, we're not allowed to charge for this, but we can't find it in writing as to why we can't charge for it. So it lays out a process for the people in your office to follow when they're dealing with a TPA and they're just not exactly sure what to do. And then our TPA scorecard, that was a a major, major development for us. And it it takes all of the major TPAs and it scores them in different areas. Uh, We talk about fees and contractor customer service, the volume and geographical representation of the TPA, the credentialing process, all of those areas. Um, So we have a number score for each TPA. And then we did an open ended survey which was um, fun to sort through all of that feedback and we took all of the the hundreds and hundreds of responses and summarized each TPA's feedback then we listed their top three opportunities for improvement and so as part of Ed's work as our restoration contractor advocate he takes all of these resources out to these um these these people and he says here's what the the restoration contractors are feeling in their business here are the roadblocks that they have um, what can we do about it? And so he actively campaigns for change with those parties, but he also helps to educate us as restorers on best practices um, so that we are facing less roadblocks on the day to day aspects of our business. And so he's going to tell you exactly um, what he's doing through our AGA Academy in his section next.
1: Thank you, Katie. That was very, uh, very interesting. I, I find that uh, I, I've got a couple follow ups for you. I'm going to give you one now and then. On well, the second half, maybe you could answer this way. I'm just curious. You're you're out there in the real world. You you own a restoration company, and I'm wondering if you can give us an example of something that you picked up from your work with the AGA that kind of helped you on a real world project. So,
4: absolutely. Uh, so um, right. So, I'm, okay. Um, I'm in between two markets, and so I'm in between Raleigh and Fayetteville, and uh, I have adjusters that assume that it costs less money for us to travel 20 miles south than it does for us to travel 20 miles north. And so the assumption is that you shouldn't be charging Raleigh rates in the payable market. Same people doing the work, same sub, same in-house labor, same materials bought from the same stores. And so um, I've actually been in communication with um, what what this this uh, carrier would call their home office and their, their claims management for the entire state. We have um, thoroughly reviewed the pricing position statement just to try to educate them just like restorers need to be educated. Uh, adjusters need to be educated as well because sometimes Exactimate is they're they're using just what they know which is just sometimes the bare minimum and so they really need to understand how the labor rates are built and they need to understand this is this is what Exactimate allows for in this price. This is what you can see online what I'm hiring for and You know, just understanding that um, a price is is just a starting point and a zip code is also just a starting point. And and I am actively using it to educate um, adjusters and claims managers in my area.
1: Excellent. Great example. Let's go to Mr. Ed Cross, the restoration lawyer. Hello, Ed. Hello, Joe. Welcome back. Thank you, sir. Give us your thoughts. Ed, uh, Katie covered a lot of what you know the AGA does, but I'm sure there's a couple things you could
5: add. Well, yeah, there's a whole lot going on. Katie did an excellent job with the overview there. At our convention, we rolled out the very first session of the AGA Academy. What is the AGA Academy? Well, the AGA has put out. All of these different resources, these tools like position statements and videos and surveys and reports, but what does a restorer do with those as part of the daily practice? So what AGA and RIA decided to do was to develop a training program, and that's called uh, the AGA Academy. And this is where we give you the nuts and bolts of how to incorporate all of those tools into your, your daily practice. And in Orlando, we had the very first session. And this session, this course, uh, was dedicated to the RIA's 50-state reference guide on the law of assignments of benefits and insurance bad faith. The RIA has put out an incredible document, a huge legal resource guide, Of research. It's a a legal research manual regarding assignments of benefits and the law of insurance bad faith, because a restorer can get an assignment of the right to sue an insurance company for breach of contract or potentially for bad faith. Now, the reference guide put out by RIA does not have AOB forms in it, it's not a how to guide. Instead, It's kind of a point of reference that restorers can use together with their lawyers to build a plan and decide whether or not an assignment of benefits is right for them. And for some companies, it's the right thing. And others, uh, it may not be. Or you may decide on a case by case basis. If you are a franchise you wanna take a close look at your franchise agreement to see if there are any particular rules in there about assignments. And if there are, what sorts of assignments are allowed? What sorts of assignments are disallowed? If you're working on TPA plans, for example, you wanna see if your TPA agreement prohibits certain types of assignments. So the reference guide uh, from RIA, Uh, points out that restorers are suffering significant losses because of delays from adjusters, uh, denials of coverage. Sometimes we see cases where certain adjusters are basically inventing their own exclusions or sometimes they're, they're acting in bad faith. Well, the reference guide states that RIA has found these problems to be a threat to the viability of reputable restoration companies. And that the solution requires the industry to unite, to confront these problems, and to do it on a national scale. And it says that an enforceable assignment of insurance rights can fundamentally alter the dynamics of a property insurance claim negotiation. An assignment of rights can be used to force the insurance company to pay a second time if the insurer is on notice of the assignment and the policyholder holder misappropriates the funds, that the check gets sent directly to the policyholder. So at the beginning of the session, I conducted a poll with the attendees, and what they reported to us is that they do, in fact, see a significant problem with policyholders running off with insurance proceeds or using them to pay off their mortgage or to take a trip to Hawaii, for example. They also reported to us that they see problems with adjusters underpaying or using standardized pricing platforms as global pricing or with delays or uh, with adjusters not agreeing to pay fair market value for the services. Well, somebody who has an assignment of insurance rights is able to prosecute a claim if it's properly drafted against the insurance company to enforce the rights under the policy. The insurance policies say that the insurance company needs to pay the usual and customary cost of the work. And if they don't do that, the restoration contractor can step in and uh, light a fire under them. The attendees reported to us a concern that policyholders don't have the motivation or the resources or the acumen or the energy to prosecute a claim against an insurance company. You know, the, the house has been rebuilt. They have a new house. They're happy with it. And yeah, they'd like the restorer to get paid, but a lot of times they're not going to put forth the effort to make that happen. A lot of times restorers don't want to sue their customers. So uh, having an assignment allows them to bill the insurance company directly, collect from the insurance company directly, because an assignment is essentially a transfer of legal ownership of a portion of the claim over to the restoration company. And my view is that you can get an assignment of a number of different rights. It's not just the policy benefits, but I think you can also pursue um, an assignment of the right under the policy to go to appraisal, which is kind of a neutral process that avoids legal expenses because there's no lawyers involved. It's a binding process that works kind of like arbitration. I think it's also very important for people to understand that if you get more than just an assignment of benefits, you get an assignment of insurance rights, then you've got the right to sue the insurance company in most states for breach of the insurance contract and for uh, bad faith. And In many states, you can recover your attorney's fees in that process and get much closer to being uh, made whole. I, I told everybody there in Orlando not to judge assignments by what happened in the state of Florida. State of Florida had a unique rule that was being very, very liberal with the award of attorney's fees to entities that had assignments of benefits. That's not the law or the practice in other states, and the issues in Florida do not exist in the other states. So my dream, as I told the RIA Board of Directors at the beginning of this year, is that we're able to get to the end of 2021 with adjusters at most of the major insurance companies, understanding that assignments of benefits are enforceable. It's something that they need to honor. It's something they need to respect. And in this first course of the AGA Academy, uh, we lay out the steps and how to do that. And the sessions uh, from the convention are available for purchase. And RIA is rolling out an exciting uh, whole LMS learning system uh, that's available on demand in this AGA Academy is uh is part of that and then in uh the next round uh when you're ready i can tell you a little bit about face the advocate
1: all right let's do that in the second half ed thank you that you know very interesting uh this whole i I think a lot of the you know i've been more on the consulting side of things i think a lot of us don't always understand all those possibilities and the assignment of benefits and they got a bad name in florida and i think uh, you've done a good job of Getting the word out on what it is, why it is, and and how it can be used. So we appreciate that. Let's Thank go you, to John Isaacson, the intentional restorer. John, I I think you're kind of a a new guy at the RIA convention. You may have been there in the past, but we, we wanted to get your thoughts on you know what you saw and what you heard and how you felt.
6: Um. Yeah. Well. First, first of all. Thank you for allowing me onto the hallowed grounds of IAQ Radio, the OGs of of restoration podcasting. I think I looked it up. You guys started in 2006, right? Yes, sir. So before, I was back in the internet radio days. And so yep. Yep. Um, thank you no for Zoom. Be-
1: Before Zoom existed, John.
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Be- well, and before podcasting was really popular, right? So. Yes, um, sir. Uh, so RIA, um, what is that again?
1: (laughs) The restoration industry association. Oh,
6: right, 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 right. Okay. Yes. Okay. That that was that thing in Florida. Right. So yeah, that's, um, that was very exciting on a number of levels, just number one, being able to meet with people in person, you know, was, uh, was just great to get back to, I actually had planned um, to go to, new orleans last year and uh was was pretty sad that that got canceled but i think i think the quote of the event uh drum roll please goes to katie smith as she was receiving her um women in restoration award she said there are thousands of contractors but we don't have thousands of problems we all have the same major headaches and i think you know mic drop you know that was uh uh, i think that was a really good encapsulation of you know where we're at where we've come um and uh and then you know hopefully where we're headed you know so um i thought that was uh just really if everybody just takes a moment and thinks about that i think uh you you can see where raa's come where it's going and and hopefully where we continue to go
1: absolutely Well, John, let's go to, I'd like to go to Cliff, the Z-man, Zlotnik. Cliff, do you want to do your president's reception uh, lineup before or after halftime? Well, I can do
0: it now if you want. Let's do it. I'll I'll, I'll keep it short. Well, I had the opportunity to be on a panel with uh, a number of past presidents. There were four of us. Uh, It was Barry Swidler, uh, myself. Rusty Amaranti and Scott Stamper, and we were presidents uh, in that order and in you know, different decades. And um, one of the things that, that we were asked to talk about are the different threats that the association faced. And over the period of time, uh, one of the biggest threats was really the enemy within. And, you know, we know who the enemy is, and, and it's us. And, you know, what's happened over the course of history is several people... Uh, at different times, decided that they were going to misappropriate uh, association property. It could be trademarks, it could be uh, proprietary information, it could be copywritten information, and, and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, we kind of talked about uh, how this was handled. You know, in certain, time, certain situations, it was litigation. In other situations, it was resection. Uh, for those of you that don't know what resection means, it means surgical Uh, removal so that was uh, that was one thing Uh, we talked about uh, you know what are some of the current threats to the restoration industry and these threats were everything from artificial intelligence you know maybe alexa's going to tell you your claims denied or something like that to uh, the things that are that you know the aga is dealing with uh So I'm not going to get into those things. Uh, To me, one of the biggest threats that I see is loss of control, particularly uh, in the industry under the water damage area. Um, Restorers no longer control that. That whole thing is controlled by standards. And industry standards are now the boss and industry standards now dictate what needs to what needs to be done on these projects. And one of the things that happens in a lot of these situations is that the restoration contractor no longer calls the shots. The thoughts are called by a third party, uh, possibly an indoor environmental professional is brought in. And these people know less, much less about our business than we do. And they end up writing the protocols of what we are supposed to do on that particular job. And uh, that's a big issue. So I I got involved with the fire standard. Uh, There are a number of RIA people uh, involved with putting it together. And I find the experience horrifying. Uh, We're sitting around with a group of people who gleefully get excited every time that they can put a should in that document. How many shoulds can we put in there? We don't have a should in that sentence. And these are mandated things that restoration contractors must do, and it scares me. And every time I hear that word, should the, the hair on the back of my neck, uh, stands up. So we're trying to uh, get some control back, uh, as, as, as far as that goes. Um, that's really pretty much it. Um, I do think that. You know, every person owes a portion of their time and money to the industry uh, where they earn a living. That was said by Teddy Roosevelt, and I think it's really, really true. And I guess in conclusion, in 1946, this group came together. For 75 years, they stayed together, and now they're working together for the success of the industry. So I turn it back over to you, Joe.
1: Thank you, Cliff. Let's go to halftime. When we come back with the second half, we're going to go back to Christy Cohen, Mark Springer, Katie Smith, Ed Cross, and John Isaacson, get some more thoughts and a couple of follow-up questions. Our marquee sponsor, Instascope. More jobs done faster with the future of IAQ assessment technology. Unlimited samples, instant results, and cloud-based data at instascope.co. Our association sponsors are AIHA, Healthy Workplaces, A Healthier World, at AIHA.org. ACGIH, Advancing Careers of Professionals in Environmental Health, Industrial Hygiene, and Safety, interested in defining their science, at ACGIH.org. The Cleaning Industry Research Institute, see more deeply through science and research. At CIRIScience.org. The Indoor Air Quality Association, promoting the exchange of indoor environmental quality information through education and research at IAQA.org. The Restoration Industry Association, the granddaddy of the restoration industry, network with leaders at restorationindustry.org. The IICRC, a nonprofit standards development and certifying body for the cleaning and restoration industry at iicrc.org and healthy buildings america 2021 in honolulu hawaii november 9 through 11 at hb 2021-america.org iaq radio industry sponsors are aeml laboratories free shipping great pricing Same-day results with no rush fee at AEMLINC.com. Particles Plus, feature-rich particle counters and air quality instrumentation. Count on us at ParticlesPlus.com. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, over 20 years manufacturing accurate, reliable IAQ instrumentation for portable, short-term, and continuous monitoring at Sensing. Com. TSI Inc., an industry leader in precision instrumentation for monitoring indoor air. Learn how to expand your IAQ investigations at TSI.com. Sunbelt Rentals, availability, reliability, and ease for all your IAQ and restoration needs at SunbeltRentals.com. April Air, healthy air, healthy home at April dot And Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online magazine for industry professionals and consumers at healthyindoors.com. All right, we're back with the second half of our show. Let's go back to Christy Cohen, the CEO of the Restoration Industry Association. Christy. You mentioned, and a couple of people mentioned, this third-party administrator scorecard report, and I find that very interesting. Is that something you have to be a member to see, or is that something we can get a little taste of online?
2: So, yes, that is an RA member benefit. Um, it, we've allowed all restores. Whether you're an RIA member or not, you are welcome to participate in the survey. We want to hear from everybody in terms of what are the issues that you're having, and we've incorporated all of that feedback. Uh, But currently, the TPA scorecard report is an RIA member benefit, and that's available for free to RIA members. You know, we want folks to come join the movement with RIA. We need to have members engaged with us to help support these efforts and participate and so we're really excited to be able to offer these resources to RA members and, and bring attention to what RA is uh, is offering.
1: I appreciate that, Christy. Let's go back to Mark Springer. Mark, um, you kind of had to help through this pandemic, uh, run this association, keep it alive and so on. I'm wondering with your own business and, and with other business owners you talked to out there, um, did a lot of people drop out of the industry? Did uh, most of the people, you know, were they able to stick around
3: and how did it affect your own business? Well, I mean, first of all, the, um, as far as running the association in the pandemic, I mean, um, there's no way that we would have got through the year at RIA without um, a couple key things happening. I mean, one was, we changed our management literally right before, two association headquarters right before the pandemic kicked off. AH has been an awesome partner so um, very thankful for them um, and also uh, we had so many big companies come in and get involved and in our instructors volunteer their time so there's lots and lots of people who just I think felt RI was so critical for the industry that you know they came alongside and helped so making sure we give credit where uh, credit is due. As far as Uh, my business and as far as the uh, industry at large you know I don't know that COVID was such a challenge as some of maybe the unintended consequences of COVID you know for example right now in my state Montana we've got 46,000 people on unemployment insurance in the state of Montana that's like a whole city I mean Montana is a state of a million people Mm
6: -hmm. but
3: people are staying home from work right now because they make more money staying at home based on the checks they get from the government than they do going back to work. And I mean, that's just, I mean, frankly, disgusting to me, there is so much work right now to be had. And I've had two major competitors close their doors in Montana in the last uh, six months because they can't get people. And this really was revealed as the biggest challenge when we asked folks what's the number one challenge you face in your business um, in in uh, the current state and hiring and a bunch of other answers around hiring were the were were what were revealed in the uh, survey that we had there in the town hall and so you know it's it's a real problem I think that you know we've got uh, in, in a lot of the administrations across our country, state governments and then federal government as well. I mean, we've got to get people back to work. And that's uh, that's a, a really interesting, you know, problem that uh, it has developed. And obviously it's a bigger problem than what RIA can tackle, but but that really would up, would be what I would identify, Joe, as our, our biggest challenge right now. Okay. Katie Smith,
1: let's get back to you, Katie. I want to ask you about how the, the third-party administrators have responded to this, you know, focus on them all of a sudden from RIA, the members, and and, and uh, the industry at large.
4: Well, I'm actually going to call on our advocate at Cross to to answer that question for you because he, uh, since he's not a contractor, is best suited to have those conversations with TPAs, even though I, I don't participate on any. Um, programs. Uh, so we all felt that it was best to have someone who's not a contractor representing us with um, TPA. So he has had discussions with um, all of them in the survey, and he can give you some feedback on that.
1: Let me go to that in a minute. But before we do, I had another one for you. You mentioned pricing, TPAs, and consultants, yep. uh, third-party consultants. I was a little surprised when I saw the third-party consultants as one of the top issues that the restoration contractors are are running into um, what is the big what's the biggest complaint about the third party consultants
4: to to make it as basic as we possibly could I would say it's getting paid Um, dealing with the consultants just prolongs the process and all of the requests uh, for documentation and all types of, of other information it just delays the the timeline of getting paid and um, it, it's difficult a lot of times when you, you're the first to arrive and you make good, solid decisions, and then you have to go back and justify everything that you decided to do. Meanwhile, the client is, has been made whole, uh, they're back in business, everything's fine, but you're just, um, sitting there waiting to get paid. And so I would say that has been the, the biggest complaint. And, and that's been a complaint, um, by, by the average RAA member and not just a few members. Okay,
5: interesting.
1: All right, let's go to Ed. Ed, can you answer that question on the TPAs? How have they
5: responded? Well, they're responding well. They are, excuse me, very appreciative of us of having uh, conducted the survey. You know, we had nearly 1,000 contractors uh, respond to the first survey and hundreds respond to the second uh, round of the survey. You know, Joe, there's no Yelp available where a contractor can go on to check and compare between various Tpas and they have some very appealing marketing programs and contractors don't really have ready access to a lot of raw information uh, some unvarnished commentary about how these programs work so RIA once again stepped up and did that with these uh, these surveys and Each TPA had the potential to uh, score up to 100 points. And all of the top 10 TPAs scored below 59 points. And the original plan was to assign letter grades to them. Had we done that, they all would have received the same letter grade. And so that would not have been a distinguishing factor. So we just put numerical scores on those. So what I decided to do was to start an RIA talk show, and now it's called Face the Advocate. Face the Advocate is a show where restoration industry stakeholders respond to positions taken by the RIA and its members. And in Orlando, we had a live session of Face the Advocate. We were very fortunate that John Michael of Alacrity and Kevin Riley of West Hill Global agreed to uh, come on to the show so we could talk about these issues and ways to pursue ria's goal to improve the tpa uh, contractor relationship and contractors are quite concerned about the fees that uh, tpas charge particularly when uh, a referral fee is being charged On a project that was not actually referred by the TPA. They say, Why should I have to pay for this? I got the job through my own, through my own relationships and my own marketing efforts. Contractors are concerned about the credentialing process, about contractor scoring, about job volume, and all these other things. And Mm so I have had a number of good, productive conversations uh, with the leaders of these uh, various TPAs. And I've conveyed to them, the contractors are concerned about what they see as a pervasive bias against them by insurers, by independent adjusters who work for the insurers, by Xactimate and by TPAs. And from their perspective, many of them report to me that when an issue comes up, all of these entities I just mentioned just happen to side with the insurance company and against the the restoration company. And um, so one of the questions that I asked um, Mr. Michael and Mr. Riley in Orlando is who do you as a TPA consider to be your client? Mm -hmm. For whom are you working? And contractors are concerned because they pay money into these TPA programs. They pay fees and they're concerned that, this entity who's accepting the fees from them is actually advocating against them. And both John and Kevin said that they consider both the insurance company and the contractor to be their customers and that they consider the insurance carriers uh, to be partners of theirs. And so they portray that they are seeking a neutral Uh, position yet on some issues, they will advocate for one side or the other. Um, Mr. Maiko said that when an insurance company runs uh, a project through Alacrity, um, the dollar amount that the insurance company pays to settle that claim isn't any lower by virtue of the fact that Alacrity was handling it. It's not a discount program according to Mr. Maiko. Instead, what Alacrity is doing is it is providing a service to help minimize the insurance company's claims handling expenses. He was careful to point out that Alacrity does not control pricing, but they will audit estimates uh, for the best practices recommended by the carrier. And they say they, uh, if they see that an estimate is outside of the carrier guidelines, Alacrity itself does not reject it, but it reports to the contractor, this insurance company is going to kick this back. And he said, it's important to Alacrity that these estimates get approved because Alacrity gets scored in the same way that contractors get scored and they want to keep their scores up. So he's careful to point out they do not control or influence prices. And He said something that was interesting that kind of caught me by surprise. He said a lot of times when they're doing these audits, they find out that the contractor has actually undercharged and they call these underwrites and they say they report these out and say, hey, you've got an underwrite, you need to raise the price on certain items. I took a poll of the live audience we had there and we didn't have any uh, in the audience who acknowledged or affirmed that they had received any notice of uh, any underwrites on their estimate. But it's good to hear that at least one TPA wants to balance it on both sides, uh, positive and negative. Kevin Riley made an interesting point. He said, that the incentive for an insurance carrier to work through a TPA is to resolve the claim promptly and that uh, insurance claims are not like wine. They don't get better with time. So there's a lot of great things that people uh, can see. If you check out the on-demand version of this, I'm not gonna give it away here. Uh, You have gotta check that out. You'll hear, for example, an explanation from John Maiko as to what makes the difference between contractors who are successful on TPA programs and the ones that fail. You'll get to hear them both talk about whether or not there should be referral fees charged for projects that the TPAs did not refer to a contractor and when there will be exceptions to that. So I look forward to seeing everybody at the, uh, the ISIAC event in Honolulu in November, that's going to be a lot of fun. And I hope everybody has already put onto their calendars, April 11th to 13th in Reno for the big RIA convention.
1: Thank you, Ed. All right, let's go to John Isaacson. John, I'm I'm looking at something you wrote up here. And and one of the titles is Unity Does Not Mean Conformity. And I wonder if (laughs) you could give us a little more detail on that. What do you mean by that?
6: So there's a term we use when you pour concrete, uh, a monolithic pour, right? So I recently poured a fire pad, a walkway, and a basketball court at my home. And in teaching my sons to uh, to do that and had uh, the, the, my father-in-law who taught me how to do concrete, we talked about it's a monolithic pour. I think oftentimes looking at a group such as RIA, which many in the younger crowd might tend to categorize as the good old boys club. We tend to think certain categories or generations are monolithic in their approach to something. And that's not the case. Um, And I think that was really confirmed as I was sitting with different people and talking about um, their experiences over the years. That was pretty exciting to hear. Um, um, There's two in particular That uh, uh, have, have made a huge impact in the industry, um, and didn't always get along or agree, but found ways when, um, the moment called for it to collaborate and, and try to push the industry forward. And so, uh, we're not all that different, even if we're separated by several years. And so that's, uh, I think that was one thing I would like to convey if anybody from my generation or lower is considering RIA um you're not walking into an environment where you're expected to toe the line and uh and just and fall in line and and uh and and shut your mind off but uh there, there's a lot of hearty discussions that go on appropriately behind the scenes I mean we should be able to Disagree with each other and hash things out and uh and that happens i mean that was there was a lot of that happening, and people even remembering things of the past and Pete the global watchdog is very good pointing people out when uh when they misremember how something went down. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Excellent, John. Hey, John, we're going to have you back next week. I want to talk a lot more about the, you know, the younger generation coming in and, and how we can work better together with them and help make them more successful. So, looking forward to that, John. Let's go to the roundup. The roundup is brought to you by April Air providing healthy humidity, ventilation and air purity solutions for new and existing homes. April Air, Healthy Air, Healthy Home at aprilaire.com. All right, let's go to Pete Consigli. The restoration yeah, so, industry global so, so I'm going to address that question.
7: All right. I'm going to go I'm going to go around the horn and then I'll save my comments till the end like we normally do. So here's my questions for Around the Horn Mark um, I want to know what lessons did you learn by being the president of an association during a pandemic and all the other challenges I don't answer yet just think about it Katie I want to know you know you're president-elect you're coming in associations on the uptick things look good you know what are you thinking about? What kind of agenda do you have? Where do you want to take things? You know, how's that transition and how are you gonna pass the baton? Uh, Christy, for you, you know, give us besides the convention next year, any little things you can share with the audience. Cause remember the audience is much bigger than the 30 plus to call in today. When the blog goes out, we get a lot of hits, a lot of downloads. So what what what's on the horizon for 2022, even in 2023 in the educational category? I think that's really important. You know how that uh, connects with IICRC and not, but I know there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. I think that's worthy of sharing. And uh, Mr. Isaacson, for you, I like you. If you have any further thoughts to think about this, there was a lot of uh, a young, a lot of the young restorers I saw at the conference, and some of them were local from Florida. Maybe it was just convenient for them to come, but you can tell there's a new feeling coming on. And I saw your column, so I don't want to under, 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 undermine what you're going to put in R&R with Michelle. But, you know, if you got a little pearl that you want to kind of share, that would be kind of good. But, you know, we'll give Michelle a douchey. She did a fabulous job. And, Ed, as far as you're concerned, I, you know, I actually don't have any question for you, brother Ed, because you're so thorough. And Katie passed you the ball. You covered that. And, you know, I, I love the face the advocate stuff. It's just really fabulous. You, you did a good job. And I don't I uh, you know Michael John Michael Ed was unaware of the fact that John Michael was on our board for a while, and he's a lawyer, but he uh, gave a lot of advice to the association uh, through some of the lawsuits, and I think his service was fabulous. Mark, I think you were on the board at the time, and he really, you know outside of all the TPA stuff, he was a real good servant of the association. And I think it's worthy that, you know, he gets an attaboy and he wrote a great article that, in the CNR and Katie, maybe you remember this on where the TPAs were going and, you know, the technology, it was fabulous. I I, I was one of the primary editors at the time and uh, there were a couple of things in there the committee said, and I had to go around with him, the corporate lawyer of alacrity and their marketing person. But anyway, it was a really fun thing. We came to agreement. I thought it was a great article. So um, anyway, so those are the kind of questions I have. I do have some comments that I like to wrap up with. But, you know, uh, those were some things that we kind of talked about. Um, And then, of course, to go around the horn in the roundup. And, of course, you all can just say, Pete, we ain't going to address that. And that's OK, too. But, uh,
3: you know, say whatever you want. So,
7: Joe, I'll turn it back to you for the time being.
3: All right. Well, let's start with Mark Springer. Mark. I uh, Pete's exactly right. Uh, John Miko does uh, deserve m- numerous attaboys. I mean, one is his service to the association. Second of all, stepping onto the stage with Ed Cross is, um, you know, not easy for anybody. So, uh, you know, I think the point is, though, mm-hmm. that exactly the purpose of AGA and the purpose of what the association is doing is to be able to respond to the sort of, issues that come up when john michael presents to us here's the direction tpas are going that's primarily going in a direction that is carrier centric that is a direction that's based on what the carriers are dictating based on their needs with very little input from contractors and so contractor input and contractor voice is critical if we're going to be able to make sure that the future of this ecosystem is sustainable because uh, a lot of the contractor demands are not sustainable within the context of what contractors deal with, with material prices, administrative costs, um, and labor costs. So those are, are really important. As far as your question, Pete, of you know what did we learn from getting through the pandemic? I think the most important thing is that RIA, like any association, has to be so incredibly in touch with uh, the pulse of our members, and the needs of our members and not, I think as associations, sometimes we can make our path forward based on what we think is important rather than what our members think is important. And we had to really reevaluate some of those things. And we had to make sure that we knew this is what our members see as valuable. This is what our work product has to be focused on. And this is what we have to be able to bring back to them that can help improve their business. And I think, and, you know, I could, we could spend a whole, uh, session here of IQ Radio talking about a lot of the things that RA did in that context. We hit on some of them. We only really hit the tip of the iceberg. But if we're not making sure that our efforts are in step with their what they need for their business, then. The, the, the association isn't going to last. And I think that more than ever, we've been forced to do that. I think that our board and our volunteers and our staff have done an excellent job of doing that. And I think that we heard over the last week or so that we've made a lot of strides in that respect. And I'm really proud of our board and all the volunteers and what they've done to accomplish that. Thank you, Mark. Let's go to Christy Cohn.
2: So, uh, Pete, great questions. There is so much ahead for 2022 that we're very excited about. And uh, one of the most important strides I think that we're making in our partnership specifically with IICRC is working to develop a career pathway for the restoration industry. You know, knowing and understanding that there are uh, certifications out there being offered, tons of prerequisites in education, and that the, uh, the skills skills required for this industry are at a very high level that needs to be respected and recognized by third parties and by carriers and that type of thing. And so one of the initiatives, again, being laser-focused on what are the things that are going to bring the biggest benefit to our members and to the industry, is working together with IICRC to develop that recognized career path for restoration contractors and syncing up with IICRC so that you know we're focused on what we do best and working together as two associations to offer that uh, recognition and to really be able to push and market the career path of, of restoration contractors. So that's one initiative that we're very excited about working with IICRC. And in terms of education, you know, the pandemic required us to pivot. We had amazing instructors who demonstrated that they have that core value of flexibility and commitment to the industry who you know we're able to to pivot to virtual learning and so we're going to have more of that. There's always a need to have in-person training. Uh, we have several of our designations available in the areas of water loss, fire loss, contents loss. We're releasing the new environmental uh, loss uh, credential that's going to be coming out soon, which will be another pillar in the pathway to getting the certified restorer uh, certification. And so. We have a lot going on there. There's going to be a mix of in-person as well as additional virtual uh, opportunities to become, uh, to get certified and trained. And we have the benefit of working with IICRC, who is now managing the certification process, something that they do well. And so we're able to offer the training and then IICRC will be managing the certification process. And so it's just been a great relationship and there's going to be more to come there. And I would say to add on to what Mark was talking about with advocacy, the next part of our blueprint for AGA is to start looking at the legislative piece. And so something that's on the horizon, that's going to be a big area of focus for 2022 is developing the legislative blueprint that Mark mentioned, having uh, volunteers and a task force developed specifically for legislative issues. You know, we have Ed working on the advocacy piece and working with the third-party consultants and administrators. This is the next step for us as an association to make sure that we are, uh, you know, lobbying for the things that are going to matter most to our uh, restoration contractors and our members. So those are some some areas that we're really going to be focused on uh, in 2022. And just to echo what Mark said earlier, we are very strategically minded. I think one of the lessons that you learn as an association in a pandemic and things of that nature is, not chasing shiny objects, focusing on the core of what your members need from the association and staying focused on that strategically. So that's something that we are very committed to and we just have amazing volunteers uh, and board leadership that's helping us get there. So,
1: Fantastic. Thank you, Christy. Let's go to Katie Smith, the President-elect, uh, I don't know if you're the first female president. I don't think so, but it's certainly great to see a, a female president coming on president coming on
4: board. I would not be the first. Um, the, I would be probably the first uh, restorer. There's been um, quite a few planners, about three. I, I met the 1986 president. She lives down the road from me, and I spent a day with her, and, and she has some great um, wisdom to share with me, but I mean, let's be real, nobody wants the job of being president after Mark Springer. I mean, (laughs) that's that's what, nobody wants to do that. Uh, Mark is an exceptional leader. He does not make a lot of mistakes, and when he does, he, he owns them. He is an exceptional speaker, uh, just an awesome leader who has high expectations of himself uh, and of everyone around him, and I spend a lot of time with Mark, and he still makes me nervous sometimes because I put a lot of pressure on myself just to to meet the level um, that he sets for all of us, and so um, the good thing is whenever I have this conversation with, with people that I've developed relationships with over the years, I say, they're not expecting you to be Mark Springer, you be Katie Smith and you're going to be just fine and we all love you and you're going to be great. Um, so, you know, it, it's one of those that it is what it is. It's a challenge, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, but the great thing is we're driven by a strategic plan and advocacy is front and center, and we know what our lanes are, and we stay in those lanes, and AH, they make sure that we stay in our lanes, and we achieve all of the initiatives that we've set forth, because um, their performance is greater on how well we do as well, and so we are all laser focused on our strategy, and I do not have a personal agenda. I've, I've been an RIA volunteer for a long time, and I've had days where I wanted to just beat my head against the wall, because we weren't delivering the value that I thought that our members deserved, but Just a a personal hope of mine, I am a 39-year-old female with a a 10-year-old. I'm running a business in a small town. I'm employing over 20 people in a a town of an official population of about 3,500 people. Um, I don't take that lightly, and I'm involved in my community because that's what I think a responsible business owner should do. I know that there are hundreds of women out there just like me who probably don't feel like they have a place at the RIA table, and so for me, um, I'm excited about the responsibility of of making others feel welcome at RIA. My first few RIA experiences were—I'm not going to say they were terrible, but um, I didn't always feel welcome. Um, but I'm the type of person who left those experiences more driven and determined, and said, "Okay, I'll come back with my CR next year if that's how this is going to go." And I was pinned the next time that I came back. Um, you know, like six months pregnant, and I just decided, decided that I'm going to do this the best that I could do it, and. I want other um, women, especially, but young restorers to not feel like um, they do not belong in RAA. And so the community and the relationships with other restorers has always been uh, what drives me. And so that's not a personal agenda. It's just a hope that people who may have tried us in the past and didn't feel like they were represented Um, We'll come back and people who have never heard of us will hear about us and we'll see someone that looks like them leading the association. And we'll say, this looks like a place I could belong as well.
1: Well said, Katie. I think you'll do a great job. Let's go to Ed Cross. Ed, final thoughts.
5: Well, I I found that to be so touching and thank you, Katie, for, uh, for sharing all of that. We are so uh, optimistic about what your administration is going to uh, look like it was very heartwarming and and so sincere what you had to uh, to share there so so thank you for that very motivational uh, for all of us what's coming up. Well, I'm going to be getting back to one of my favorite subjects, which is pricing. And we've got some big things cooking, particularly with respect to materials pricing. And there is a, a spreadsheet that I have available. If anybody would like to uh, send me a message, I can I can share it with you. It's a set of links where you can go on to Home Depot and Lowe's and check the materials pricing that's in your standardized price list. And I've gotten some reports recently Uh, where I have seen some side-by-side comparisons of what the Lowe's and Home Depot prices are in comparison to the prices uh, that are in Xactimate. And in many instances, uh, the Xactimate prices appear to be too low. So we're going to be taking a hard look at that. Uh, We're also very excited about the program uh, that... Exact Exact where is going to be rolling out with the uh, the pricing analyst, the golden contractor, and uh, we really think this is going to help to level the playing field. We're grateful to Exact where for um, indicating a willingness and an openness to listen to us and to incorporate the concerns of uh, of contractors in uh, in what they're doing, and we encourage the other stakeholders in the restoration ecosystem. Uh, to take that into account as well, just like Brother Springer was talking about uh, with respect to the, uh, the TPAs. So the next six months, the next year are going to be very exciting. Uh, RIA and AGA is getting bigger. It's getting wider. It's gaining uh, more respect and more traction. Thank you, everybody, for, for joining on board. Thank you to our investors. And uh, we encourage everybody, if you think this is helpful uh, for you, and we believe that it is, uh, that you will make an investment in the AGA. It's not a donation, it's an investment because we hope that you will see an actual tangible return on that. So thank you for having me on the show again, guys. Fantastic job, kudos to all.
1: Thank you, Ed, always a pleasure. Let's go to John Isaacson, the intentional restorer kind of lead into next week. John, give us your thoughts.
6: Um, <clears throat> I guess I'd like to maybe close my uh hallowed uh section you know the, the 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 moment everybody's been waiting for i know you, you've all been waiting and just <laughs> wanting to hear what i had to say so um katie mentioned that uh you know she doesn't want to be in the the shadow of mark springer but i've just been asking like when can we get somebody other than mark springer uh can i get an amen, amen. No? no no amens <laughs> uh... no uh, uh if anybody misunderstands, I have the highest respect for Mark Springer and have very much enjoyed working with him. But, uh, my, I guess, closing comment, uh, quotes, Cliff said, uh, Cliff Zlotnick, the Z man said, the shortcut to growth is community. Um, and I think, uh, man, in, in, in the age of the internet, there's no barriers to information, to, to distributing information. And so I think one of the challenges, um, is just weeding through the noise to find good information and good people. And, um, and like Katie mentioned, too, that's the same. I think the last time I went to RIA was maybe 0405. Um, and up until this advocacy thing started popping up, um, I really hadn't seen a reason to be a part of RIA or felt that the representation was there. Um, and then now, trying to break into this friggin' thing, Um, I I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing because the harder you have to work for something, um, a lot of times that means maybe it's worth it. And so if there are restorers feeling some initial resistance, I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing, uh, if the thing that you're trying to achieve is worth it. And so, yeah, if it's a good boys club, good old boys club, and they're just being jerks, then. Yeah, uh, do what you got to do. But I think if you persevere, you'll find that that's probably not the truth. And like Katie mentioned, there's a lot of people that have similar experiences and maybe had to work even harder to get where they were they are now. So, um, you know, stick with it. And uh, what was it again? The shortcut to growth is community. So
1: well done. Thank you, John. We'll talk to you more next week. Let's go back to the restoration Global Watchdog, Pete Sigley. Final thoughts? Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody, for um,
7: weighing in. Uh, with your thoughts, addressing some final questions. And good luck to uh, to all of you as we continue down the path. Uh, growing the association, uh, pandemic in the rear view. Never hope to see 2020 again. And, of course, uh, building the unification with the uh, IICRC. So this is what, this is my final thought. And Cliff, um, I want you to, well, I'd like you to have the final word on this. I think what I'm gonna say is gonna resonate with you. Uh, uh, The listeners and of course the the panel know that one of my roles with the association really industry is as a historian. And it's important that we know and understand history to learn the lessons from it. How do we apply the lessons to today's challenges? But at the end of the day, you gotta always look to the future whether it's in commercial business or whether it's a nonprofit. When I first went to work for Drys in the late 80s, Club Blackburn gave me the book Positioning and he told me to read it. And I read it on, uh, I I read the whole book on a cross country flight with the one stop in Chicago to change planes, change my whole viewpoint. And that's the original book by uh, Al Reese and Jack Trout. And uh, it's all about focus. Anyone that's gotten my emails, Maybe just ignore that little signature that I have at the bottom, but you know, after I, you know, left her eyes, I've been working with a lot of the RA members and others to try to, you know, to stay focused. And um so Katie often uh will ask me historical questions. I always appreciate that, Katie. The other day she asked me a question about some stuff RA stuff, and then as part of the dialogue, uh she said that she was surprised that, and this lends to the conversation that you all just been talking about, that so many cleaners think they're not welcome at RAA. Now, this couldn't be further from the truth. You know, Cliff always said that a key thing about restoration, that we know it in restoration, is, is the detailed level of cleaning and deodorization is what defines and separates true restorers from, you know, the recon guys that just rip, tear everything down and just, you know, build it up you know, where do you save money and where can you, uh, you know, provide value to the customers, which is really the the art of restoration. And so, uh, so cleaning is an important part. Now back in the heyday of the growth, after we moved from the early ruggy and carpet cleaning days and the restoration started growing, which was mostly the seventies, eighties, and early nineties, the old ASCR show was the industry show. And it was a huge umbrella that had, restoration, cleaning, the rugs, the on-location, everything. It was the not-to-miss event. And One of the things, uh, when Al Reese and Jack Trout uh, separated, and they kind of went their own ways in the 90s after writing several books in the whole positioning team, Al Reese wrote a book called Focus with his daughter. And one of the things that he said about Focus is he says uh, there were 15 points but the last point was, is a focus doesn't last forever. And, but it's something that, you know, maybe every 30 years, you got to take a look at it. So I told the story, and what's the message? And you're all thinking, hmm, where the hell is Pete going with this thing? Well, it's been about 30 years since those ASCR days and big conventions. And I think the focus is back with the RAA, And the cleaners are welcome. Everybody's welcome. And I think we're going to have that big tent and that big umbrella as we grow. They're all going to be under that one tent. The industry needs a global association. And when we did the rebranding, uh, we were put in a position to grow that association globally uh, with all the different countries. The Aussie has done a great job. And uh, the, the British organization, which started by two long-term uh, ASCR members, and, uh, and uh, I, think, I think the times are very, very exciting. But uh, one little final point that led to the rebranding and maybe this perception in the marketplace. Uh, as the industry grew and expanded, uh, granted maybe the association ASCR back then didn't serve the on location cleaners as good as, as they may have been able to and there were a lot of other options in the marketplace. And, that, and that's true. Um, but the Ruggies stayed there for, you know, they were part of our founders. So in the early 2000s, we took a major survey, of the association, 93% of the members were core restorers, 7% were mostly the Ruggies. And years later, we did the rebrand and the changing of the cleaning, and we don't need to rehash that. But you know something, the word restore has been used in the cleaning industry for years. Carpet cleaners talk about restorative cleaning versus maintenance and all that. And I think everybody got really up in arms over words here and words there. Words do have a meaning. So uh, cleaning and restoration, that is our industry. And um, we got a big umbrella. And uh, I'm pretty excited to, uh, to see the focus return after three decades. they back where it was. Uh, not the good old days. The new days. Or as Katie says, the new RAA. with all these new people, the women, the, the young restorers and all the internationals. It's exciting times. And uh, with that Mr. Z man, I will defer to you for your final thoughts before you turn it back to Joe, because I always defer to you. I, I hate to admit it Springer, but the Z man is usually right. He looks to you like this, right? I hate to admit it. He's not always right, but he's usually right. And so It's only appropriate as the elder statesman um, that he gets to say the last word. And then Joe, I guess you close it out and thank you everybody. And uh, I look forward to Reno and uh, everything in between. (laughs) Thank you,
1: Pete.
0: Cliff. Yeah. You know, I I think from a historical perspective, Pete, um, one of the things that I can tell you uh, in terms of, uh, you know, when we had a lot of carpet cleaners, in the association uh, what they wanted was jobs they wanted what service master and serve pro and stanley steamer and so on and so forth did for their franchisees that's what they wanted i remember looking at the surveys and you know when we would talk to them and get the surveys back and and so on and so forth and you know the thing is they didn't pay Five or ten percent of their volume to the association in order to get that. So I think that there was a a big under, misunderstanding back then. But I, I agree. I'm excited about uh, I'm excited about the focus as well. I've long felt that um, the AGA and, and lobbying is what was needed because certainly we know the opposition is doing that. So. It's my final comments
1: thank you pete i want to thank this week's guests christy cohen mark springer katie smith ed cross john isaacson of course my co-host the z-man cliff Slotnick, the restoration industries global watchdog pete Consigli. john you got to have faith at the controls most importantly our growing group of loyal listeners, please come back next Friday at noon. We're going to have, a, we're going to talk about a young, you know, getting that young crowd in here and uh, seeing, seeing what interests them with John Isaacson back to join us again next week, the intentional restore. Great to have you on. Much appreciated. My co host, the Z Man, Cliff Zlotnick. John, you got to have faith at the controls. And most importantly, our growing group of loyal listeners and sponsors will be back next Friday at noon with the next episode of iaq radio plus
0: for iaq radio i'm spike real saying thanks for listening